Welcome to the Celebrate Brave podcast, the podcast for women in and around the tech industry. Every week, we dive into the conversations, frameworks, and best practices to help you stress less, work less, and earn a lot more. My name is Nicole Church-Steinbach, your host and the international bravery coach for women in tech. Let's go. Hello, brave people. You are in for a fun conversation. We are joined by an incredible guest, Ashley Willemitis, who is a friend of mine. She's also a client, and she is an incredible and new woman in technology. Hey, girl. Welcome. I'm so glad you're here. Hi. I'm excited, too. That that woman in tech thing, still new and exciting. <laughs> yes, it is new and exciting. So before we dive into the brave story that you want to share, maybe you can say, just so that we have the spoiler, because we talked a little bit about the story. How long have you been a woman in tech? Gosh, I think we're in week seven now. <laughs> um, I started at the end of January recording here in the, the middle of March. So exactly. Not too long. Yeah. And I, I record these way in advance. So when this goes live, you'll probably have an entire quarter under your belt. So you'll be like 1 million percent woman attack, right? After a quarter? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be I'll be so sad. And I know that your brave story has to do a lot with the transition. So should we dive in like the transition that you just pulled off in less than half of a year? Let's do it. It was the crazy thing to me about this whole thing is it was a, it was a half a year to the day. I remember speaking with you because I did my consult with you before deciding to quit my prior job. The conversation with you actually is a thing that helped me to realize that I needed to quit my job. And wow. part of it was this realization of like, oh, I can, I cannot work or, or, you know, seek joy in my life for six months and then make up my lost income in three. That was the math in my head. And my last day at my last job was July 31st. And my first day at my new job was January 31st. So it was, I could not have guessed it would be that <laughs> precise. <laughs> But it was that is very precise. That's incredible because we started working together in September. Is that true? Yeah, we started at the beginning of September because uh, we did our consult and I was, I'm sure we'll get into this, but I was pretty broken down. I, I needed a, some space for my mental health to, to reset a little bit after leaving my job. And so I took a, about a month to myself and then we started in September. That's all right. That's incredible. So five months. Wow. That's crazy. So what's fun about this is I didn't know some of that. (laughs) That's kind of cool. Okay. So you did the math in your head and you were like, oh, wait a second. I'm so underpaid on the market Mm -hmm. in tech, like tech underpaid, tech market underpaid, that I could actually be good to myself, take a break, Mm -hmm. shift. All right. So let's hear it. How do you want to start your brave story? Because I I already am like, are you guys listening? Do the math, get financial security. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So like, you know, super high level background for folks. Um, I spent the first 10 years of my career working in schools, um, but in school enrollment. So 
to be clear, I've never been a classroom teacher. That is a level of superhero <laughs> that I am in <laughs> awe of. Um, but worked in a couple different universities, worked in study abroad enrollment with college students, and then at the end there for four years, worked in a small boarding school in the admissions office. And boarding schools, for anyone who has not been a part of one as an adult, um, they're really all consuming. So you're doing a million other jobs, taking care of these kids on top of for me, yeah. which was like a nine to five, 12 months. I didn't get summer breaks. I didn't get spring break, things like that. And between having done it for a while, and it was probably time to start thinking about what I wanted to do next anyway, and then a pandemic in a, yeah. in a residential community with, with teenagers who were struggling with it just as much as, as the adults were, I burned out really hard. I am a human who has always believed in sort of giving first and the social contract that if I put my whole self in, then the community that I'm in will will support me back. And towards the end, some of that fell apart and my mental health tanked pretty badly. And I knew I couldn't do it anymore. Mm-hmm. And I had this plan that I'd take a year, my, my, I'd take a final year, I'd work with a career coach so that when I was done with that final year, I would be ready to transition out, make more money, move towards tech. And I, I did my consult with Unicol. Yeah and a few other coaches. And I've always joked with my friends that you cracked me like an egg. Like you, <laughs> your, your ability, you ask just the right questions. And I was in tears in this phone call. I yeah. bless you for um, yeah. sitting with me through that. I'm this stranger on the other line and my world is falling mm-hmm. apart. And, and I really realized that like, I needed different, I needed better, I deserved better. I had so much privilege to be able to take time and space. My partner also works at said boarding school. And so my housing was safe. Mm-hmm. My benefits were safe as his partner uh, to be able to take time off and not have to worry about that financial piece. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I think we talked on a Friday. And okay. I think I said to you, I think I need to quit my job in tears. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that Monday I put in my notice. And that was the, the middle of July. I I ended at the end of July. I took a month totally off, spent time with friends, rode my mountain bike a lot. And then I, I started up with you. I started up with therapy at the same time. I started working for my friend's ice cream business. Let me tell you, if you want to so cool. t- do a reset on life, spend time with one of your dear friends making ice cream because... <laughs> uh, and like the so coolest cool. flavors too, right? Oh they were God, so, so wild, good. those flavors. Yeah. So yeah. good. Yeah. And so I spent the fall and the winter, I, I made ice cream and I got a, I got a bunch of house sitting gigs, watching people's dogs while they were traveling. And I rode my mountain bike a lot and I stumbled my way into a consulting gig, doing some marketing consulting with a small solar company in my area. So that was cool and unexpected. And in all of that time, I just was doing a lot of work to really think about what do I want my relationship to work be? What do I want my relationship to myself to be? I'd spent my whole career sort of in service mode and not prioritizing myself because I assumed if, if I took, again, if I take care of everything else, then, then I'll get taken care of in the end. That's the right thing to do is to, Uh, It is selfish to prioritize yourself with sort of the narrative and the lie in my head. 
by the time I got to the point of, of interviewing for jobs, uh, do a quick plug for interest interviews. They're magical. <laughs> Go back and listen to Nicole's episode on interest interviews. Yeah, because your interest interviews is why you got the consulting. It's how, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. You showed up in this energy of who you wanted to become. And they were like, oh my gosh, we need you. Let's do mm-hmm. consulting. And also this job, right? Yeah. 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 And I think it was because instead of in, in sort of a traditional interview and job search, you know, you're looking for a specific job with a specific title. My MO going into interviews is let me tell you all the ways I'm going to bend over backwards for you and mm-hmm. be exactly what, whatever it is that you need, I will be that thing. I remember in an interview at one point in the past, someone saying like, what are you most looking forward to? And I was like, I'm looking forward to the in-between times, all the things that are not part of my job that I'm going to do. You and I think not. back, I did. And, did and to you? me at the time, that was like beautiful and magical. And like, I'm embedding myself in this community. And I look back at that now and I'm like, God, that was, that's such a red flag for me personally to, to just yeah. say, like, I'm going to make my whole self about what I can give you. Yeah. And, yeah. and being in a residential community, that was pretty deeply exploited. Um, and it took me a long time to see it. So by the time I'm in these interest interviews and I'm talking to people, I didn't feel like I was in quote unquote real interviews. So I was just talking about how do I want to spend my time? What skills do I want to use? What kind of environment do I want to be in? I wasn't mm-hmm. sort of trying to match myself up point for point against a job description. And what I think was cool about it, what I think it did was it freed up the interviewers to use their imagination. So instead of saying, here's all the reasons I'm a project manager, and they say, mm, but that's not quite how we do project management, it might not fit. It's here's the skills I have and the skills I want to use and the skills I'm excited to bring. And they can say, ooh, I'm going to use my imagination and I'm going to figure out how those skills match my job description. Which I want to underline for you. Okay. Like on a recorded line, so you can listen to this over and over again. <laughs> right? It's not always the case. An interest interview is about hearing what the other person does. It's a, It gives them permission to talk about who they are, what they do, what makes people successful in their type of roles, who shouldn't have that kind of role, why mm-hmm. that role matters, et cetera. Now, for the vast majority of my clients, because I choose my clients, right? Like, Ashley and I got on, you, you know, we got onto the phone and I was like, oh, oh, she is highly intelligent. She's ambitious. She's resilient. She's globally minded, right? The study abroad. And she really mm-hmm. genuinely is ready to get coached. She's genuinely ready to change. I thought it was brilliant that you went and spoke to other coaches as well. My clients tend to get into a series of interest interviews and start getting offered opportunities to interview. But the actual interest interview is usually not them playing with their imagination. They're just talking to you about what they do. Mm -hmm. What I want you to hear from me is you created that by your genuine Mm -hmm. flexibility, how you were shifting, how you felt about yourself, how you thought about work, how you thought about the industry, and giving them permission to do that. That's why project management became such a a strong natural fit so early, Mm -hmm. right? And it certainly 
it when it started in that space of time, I, I was so okay. <laughs> We, we both know, um, <laughs> listeners know, I was terrified of the interest interview. I was, it took me, it took me so much emotional labor to send a message. There was one time it took me like two weeks to send a message that wasn't even about me. I was like connecting another person for an interest, being like, oh, you two should talk. And I had to get out of my own way in terms of feeling like I was burdening people. Or I was, I was selfish for trying to take their time. I was in the way and how could I possibly be worth their energy? And it, it was a rocky start, but you know, once I got, you know, a few rounds deep on the interest interviews and I got more comfortable, it became easier to see when it was a conversation that could, could shift towards what I'm interested in. And I'm so grateful for you to share that, right? I'm so grateful that you shared that it was hard at the beginning because Mm -hmm. Now, what what is this now? Six months, seven months later. And I, I think in not our last session, but the session before that, I told you to stop spending so much time on interest interviews. <laughs> <laughs> well, the cool thing now, though, I'm, I'm, I'm really glad I did okay. that because yeah. I can see now where they're turning over and going the other direction. Exactly. People are talking to me instead of me being like, I'm, I'm still fishing for people who I can learn from, which I certainly still want to do. I'm hearing from people who are like, whoa, 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 you did what? Yes. <laughs> and you tell right? me about it. Yeah. And, and it's been really cool to see that flip happen. Exactly. Yeah. Now that you've been on the other side and, and I, you know, as a former executive and all that other stuff. And now I'm a successful coach. Like I also get asked if I'll do interest interviews and it's so awesome for the ego. It's like, yeah, you mm-hmm. want to know about me and what I do? Yeah. hundred yeah. percent. Right. So dear listener, you can presume that the other person is like, wow, they want to know about me. I love mm-hmm. talking about me. I'm in. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And yeah. and it also gives me a chance to, I, I started joking a while ago when I was doing this consulting, this marketing consulting gig, that it was my professional gym, <laughs> that this uh-huh. is my, because this isn't a career move for me. I'm not looking to get into this industry. I'm not looking to do this type of work long-term. I'm going to use this as an opportunity to practice all the other things. I'm going to yeah. practice being thoughtful about how many hours of work I'm putting in a day. I'm going to be thoughtful about whether or not I answer that email as soon as it comes in or if it can wait. Do I sync my email to my phone and have it give me alerts or not? You know, those those types of things that in the past I have allowed myself to. It was yeah. like exploitation central because I was always plugged in and always available and yeah. never felt like I was doing enough. I see myself still practicing that now with interest interviews. If someone reaches out to me, and they want to talk to me, I'm like, okay, I totally want to talk to them. I'm so excited. And I'm going to be really thoughtful about where do I have time? How can I make sure in order to give my best to them, I actually need to make sure that I'm protecting my time well. I'm not scheduling a 30-minute call when I only have a 30-minute break. Let's give myself a buffer. Don't do it on a day when I have a ton of meetings because it's not good for me to overload my schedule. And it's certainly not good for the person I'm trying to talk to if they're not getting all my attention. So it's neat to see the ways in which I can take some of those skills that I learned in my time away from full-time work and 
put them to practice in other settings. So it's pretty cool. Yeah. And it's, it's so much based on self-trust and -hmm. self-trust becomes trust of the other. Because one of the things that we know is true, at least for women in technology is like we have made being overworked, which often means we're doing other people's jobs. We've normalized (laughs) that and practicing letting other people do their job trusting that they can, that they will, that they should do their job is such an empowering self-confidence boost. Mm -hmm. And then you, you know, you specifically, Ashley, you get on your bike more often, Mm -hmm. which is your happy place. Yeah. 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 I, I think one of the things that I learned the most in this transition was like, I use the word aloud and I know I'm like, I'm an independent human. I'm allowed to do whatever I want. But (laughs) what I feel like is sort of socially acceptable and like society allows, what I'm allowed to prioritize is a completely different category of items and checkboxes than I have in the past. In the past, it would have been like, okay, I'm going to prioritize X, Y, and Z about the working environment or the job or the community in which I'm working. And now it's like, actually, I'm going to prioritize my life. I'm going to prioritize my partner and spending time on my bike and getting enough sleep and joining a work community that allows for all of that. Yes, exactly. If I can take care of myself, if I can find joy in the part of me that exists outside of this eight hours a day, Monday through Friday, then, you know, I don't want to be miserable at work all day, but like, how I'm feeling at work matters less because I'm not using it as my source of truth and joy and purpose anymore. I'm finding truth and joy and purpose in the rest of my life, which is so much more of my life. I think I'm going to ask Lila, my incredible podcast manager, just to loop that for like the next five minutes, just that (laughs) piece over and over and over and over again. That is the soul of the work. Mm-hmm. So how do we, and this was the work I had to do too, to be honest with you, I don't think I've ever shared like my full story on my podcast, but I was massively overworked. I had outsourced all of my worth into my professional space. And part of that was because I grew up so, so in so much scarcity, financially, emotionally, whatever. But the other part is because I was this amazing student, Right. And, and how do you go from being an amazing student into the workplace? You don't get your grades anymore. So you better put more out and put more out and put more out. and put more. So at mm-hmm. some point, I mean, my partner, who's now my husband of over a decade, was going to break up with me because I kept canceling mm. holidays and time off. And I would be at his family's home having dinner and I'd be constantly on my Blackberry to make myself sound very old. <laughs> And doing that work of of actually centering my life and work is a part of my life. That is the soul of mm-hmm. the work to be paid properly, to be working well and not being overworked, to being connected and to being joyful and truthful of self. That is the work. And my coach at the time talk to me about how how life is actually a table. I don't think you and I ever talked about this, but this is how my coach at the time helped me go from like 
I didn't even count flight times when I was working 70 to 80 hours plus all the Mm. global flights. I didn't even count that, right? Because, dear listener, at the time, there was no Wi-Fi on planes. (laughs) So I didn't count it as work time. What a weirdo. Anyways, so life is this table. And if you only have one leg on your table, when work isn't going well, your life falls apart. Mm -hmm. Or if you have one really thick leg and one tiny little twig. And the leg gets the thick leg of work, then your life falls apart, right? So how many Mm -hmm. legs can you have holding up your table? And that was a metaphor and a work that I did for, I think that alone was nine months of coaching for me. Mm. I wasn't as adaptable as you were. It took me much longer. (laughs) I fought it a lot more. (laughs) I fell apart. Like I, I told people, I didn't like you know, step calmly into this transition. I like flung myself off the metaphorical (laughs) cliff and I blew my world up for a while. And when you do that, your only option is to be open to whatever might come. What you were saying about the table though, made me think about, I was listening to a podcast recently, couldn't tell you which one. So you know, can't give it a plug, probably something by Glennon Doyle, but um, it was, um, <laughs> they were talking about the terminology was diversify your portfolio of meaning making. Oh, I just got goosebumps all down my back. I know we need to like Google what that, it, whoever it was that was talking, I think that is like a trademark <laughs> phrase. So I'm sure we can Google it and figure it out. But yeah, this idea diversify your portfolio of meaning making, because you're right. If it only comes from a single source and it, it probably doesn't even matter if that single source is work or your partner or yeah, whatever organization that you're part of, if, if it's a single source, it's, it's not enough. Cause you're right. When it falls apart, everything falls apart. Yeah. It's so true. Yeah. I think the other thing, the other thing I had to flip on its head and that I'm still very, very, very much working on is this idea of like giving my best at work. And this idea that if I get home at the end of the day and there's anything left, any Mm -hmm. energy or emotional bandwidth or, or anything like that, then I have not done my best at work because there's bandwidth left. If I've done my best, it's like um, if anyone listening is a rower and the idea of like when you cross the finish line, there's like some glory in passing out or throwing up Yeah. because you've given so much that you have nothing left when you cross the finish line. And so what you were saying before about being in school and you have these grades and you know how hard to work because you know what you're getting like the A plus, you don't have that metric nope. as an adult in work. And it's like, nope. well, if you're not exhausted at the end of the day, if you haven't used all of your emotional battery you didn't do your best. There's still some left. And I am, I'm really working hard and I have to think about it every day to say, no, like my battery is for me. It's for my partner. It's for my dog. (laughs) It's for my bike. And they all deserve the best of me. My partner doesn't deserve the worst of me. He doesn't deserve my leftovers. I don't deserve my leftovers. (laughs) Right. That is so beautiful. I'm still That's working really on it. so beautiful. <laughs> you know, as I'm listening to you, I'm thinking, yeah, me too. I'm also working on that. I'm also working on that. I think mm-hmm. that's I think that's probably and I'm just spitballing here. I think that's probably the work of 
perpetual personal freedom, freedom from Mm. this. I joke around that like when it, when I start getting obsessed with output or I start getting obsessed with some arbitrary number, I will say to myself, thank you, Henry Ford, not welcome. (laughs) I am so much more worth this damn widget that you and your industrialists and then society as a whole decided defines my value as a human. Like, no, thank you, Henry Ford, not invited. And I got sick. As we're recording this, I got sick last week and I had to cancel three days. And with every time I reached out to one of my amazing clients to say, I just can't, I'm sick. I don't have a voice. I don't feel good. And my family doesn't deserve the leftovers. I don't deserve the leftovers. It was so hard for me to send that. Every Mm -hmm. one of my clients is in this place of such growth and such renewal and such choice. And I really had to frequently be like, hey, Mr. Ford, (laughs) that's a lie. I'm not going to believe it. And what actually ended up coming out of that for you like you're so much lighter. You have so much energy. You and your partner are planning a variety of things. You went to Prague. You're on your bike more often. You're having these new experiences. You're learning from them. For me, like I saw how incredibly resilient and how resourceful my clients are and how supportive. And I was an amazing role model, just like you're being an amazing role model, sharing this vulnerable story of taking care of myself and it gives permission Mm -hmm. to other people to do the math. Am I financially able to do this? Let's do Mm -hmm. it. Throw yourself off of the cliff. Let the table crash down and your life goes to shit, right? (laughs) Redefine work, redefine output. I mean, I think that is the work for forever Mm -hmm. in different ways. I would love to say it's done. Like, Lord knows I'd be easier to feel like, all right, I'm through it. I'm good. I got the job. I'm making the money. I'm living the life. But yeah, it is, it's always going to be something to work on and assess and be thoughtful about. Am I making the choices that are prioritizing me, are helping me to be the type of person that I want to be for my own sake? Oh, so dear listener, we just had a uh, a big technical thing. So that was fun right in the middle of our conversation. Basically, the awesomeness got too much for my entire house and all the power went out. So <laughs> thankfully, Ashley and I are women in tech. We know how to navigate that kind of nonsense and keep on going. But also, we get to talk about your brave role model. So let's talk about it. Who do you want to share? Yeah. So I've been listening to your podcast like for as long as I've been working with you. And at the end of every episode, I'm always impressed by who people name. And when it came time for me to be thinking about who my brave role model is, I like Mm. really struggled. I think a lot of the people who I've traditionally looked to as role models, as I started to think about them and think about What is it about them? Like, how would I explain on this podcast why they're my brave role model? 
I realize that they actually fall into a lot of the patterns that I'm trying to get myself out of. So it's people who I love them dearly, but other people who also are Mm. so selfless at work and so willing to extend themselves and put themselves out there for others in a way I've historically viewed as really beautiful. And now I'm starting to try to set my own boundaries to prioritize myself. So it's hard for me to look to those people as role models right now. And and I love that you use the word selfless because in a lot of cultures, selfless and the translation for it is a really positive word. Mm -hmm. Y'all, it literally means of no self. Mm -hmm. It means you have no self. What? It's like, go be a table. Go be a set of drawers. <laughs> be go a be a computer. Be a else. tool. Um, and, yeah. and I love that you brought that here because I am perpetually working on hearing that word and not allowing, not permitting that ingrained, socialized, oh, that's what a woman should be mm-hmm. of no self. Yeah. 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 Okay. So I started thinking of, of who I want to be looking towards. And the person who came to mind is a friend of mine she's from my mountain bike world, which is the one of my favorite parts of my world. And <laughs> uh, her name's Kathy. And she's also a woman in tech. She um, works for a pretty big global company and, and she's very successful at a pretty high level. And not only has she been like the so phenomenally supportive of me, like willing to talk me through what she thinks of job offers yeah. and what her experience has been. I certainly did an interest interview with her. Let's be clear. Of course. Um, <laughs> but I also see the way that she lives her life and she she bucks a lot of the same trends that I want to buck. So we have a lot in common. She's about 20 years ahead of me in terms of life choices. I don't want to have kids. I don't want to get married. I don't want to buy a house. I don't want to have a traditional job. And I see her as as this woman who has made us some similar choices, not the exact same ones, but has has managed to lead a pretty unconventional life. And she prioritizes getting out of work and on her bike every day, every day that she can. And the reason she popped on top of mind today was I was scrolling through LinkedIn and she made a post saying for the first time in her career, it was 70 degrees and sunny in Massachusetts in March, which does not happen very often. And she cleared a full schedule as a VP to spend time with her husband and ride her bike. And I, that's the type of thing I want to feel confident and comfortable doing is saying, yeah, I'm working really hard and I'm doing my, my, you know, work best. And spending a day in the sun with my partner on my bike is what I want to be doing. So I'm going to prioritize that. So I think that's a brave move. um, And that's the kind of brave that I'm steering my ship towards. Absolutely. Oh, I love that you shared that. And thanks also for sharing the context of how you're you're also shifting, Mm -hmm. who is your your role model for the future you, right? Mm-hmm. The current and future you. Yeah. And I want to stress that the woman we're talking about is an executive. So for oh, everyone yeah. out there who's like, oh, I could never be an executive because I'll never have any hobbies or life, patently not true. <laughs> it's a series of choices one makes 
And Ashley has brought to us a role model who is living in the reality that she gets to make different choices. That was beautiful. Thank you. So you mentioned LinkedIn. I'm going to ask you, is there anywhere else you want people to connect with you? Because they should connect with you. Let's be real. <laughs> LinkedIn right now is probably the best. I think one of the things that I'm I'm also working on is my relationship with social media and how mm-hmm. it makes me feel and does it bring me actual joy versus that like mindless connection. Um, so I'm taking a little, <laughs> I'm taking a little break from, yeah. from Instagram yeah. and, and Facebook. So I would say LinkedIn is probably the best way to get at me right now. And maybe one day I'll start posting more much to Nicole's <laughs> encouragement. <laughs> hey, we have another series of months together. I yes. have, a, I have. So is there anything that we didn't touch on that you wanted to share about your experience Mm -hmm. shifting into tech, your experience in coaching, your just anything? You've been so generous, but I wanted to ask at least. Yeah, I think just that there's, there's no pride in doing this alone. There's no like gold star for muddling through hard times. Like I... I absolutely believe that I am I am capable of having navigated this last six months and I would have found myself a job and I would have, you know, come out the other side. I'm resilient. I'm adaptable. I would have figured it out. And within the context of I have I have so much privilege to be able to afford these things, afford in, in terms of yeah. time and in terms of money, but to have the support of a coach, to have the support of a therapist, mm-hmm. to have a situation that didn't burden my partner. He didn't have to like pick up extra work to take care of me to be able to lean on him. Some people have asked me like, why, why pay for all these things? I'm like, could I walk across the country? Yes. It would take me forever and I'd get a lot of blisters and I'd be tired and be painful. Like sometimes it's just easier to buy a plane ticket (laughs) and get there. Like, wow, there's no pride and I don't get extra points for doing it alone. So I may as well get help. (laughs) I have a new metaphor for why one should do coaching. There it is. (laughs) Of course, I can walk across the country. Of course. It'll take a lot longer and it'll be a lot more painful. Mm -hmm. And the end goal is the same, but like... I may as well, like, somebody can, like, serve me a beverage on the way. (laughs) (laughs) It makes you a job creator. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Ashley, thank you so much. It was, God, this was a fantastic conversation, and you were so generous. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I really enjoyed it. Thank you for having me on. I'm proud of myself for doing it. You know, I was pretty nervous. Um, so I'm excited to, to hear how it turns out. Hopefully it helps some people and I can pay forward a little bit, the the care and support and guidance that I've gotten through my time. Well, that is inevitable. That is inevitable. <laughs> All right. Until next time, everyone brave it up. Bye. Hey, Before you go, our fellow women in tech really need these insights. So do them a favor, pop on over and leave a rating and a review on your favorite podcast platform. Help them find the Celebrate Brave podcast. 
All right. Thanks a bunch. Until next time, brave it up.